Welcome everyone to the College Parent Podcast. My name is Madison Chase. And my name is Taylor Phillips, and we want to thank you for joining us. On today's episode, we will be interviewing Lori Shadowin, Director of Title IX Compliance and Prevention Programs at Belmont University, to discuss what dating is like as a college student today and how it's changed since you, their parents, were in college. So let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome, Lori, to the College Parent Podcast. So, Lori, tell us more about your position and the experience you have with dating among college students. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So my office oversees Belmont's compliance with Title IX, and that's a federal sex discrimination law, and it covers sexual assault, dating and domestic violence, sexual harassment, and stalking. I work with students who've experienced sexual assault or domestic violence at some point in their lives, even if it was before they arrived at Belmont. Uh, The way I view my job is to help students be as successful as possible here at Belmont, despite having suffered some sort of trauma. As a Belmont alumni and a Belmont parent, I want to see students walk the line and do everything they came to Belmont to do. Um, Also, a huge part of my job is to educate students about healthy relationships, to help them to recognize the danger signs of unhealthy relationships, and to understand also the concept of consent, which is so important. I'm also the mom of two college students who are in the dating world. (laughs) Oh, yes. So what are some of the main differences that you can think of in general or ideas in dating today that maybe weren't prevalent 20 years ago or so? And I mean, I suppose another way to ask that question is how might a student's dating experience be different today than that of their parents? That's a good one. I think the biggest difference in dating for our students today has to do with the virtual nature of relationships and dating. Students are not having as many in-person interactions with potential romantic partners today. Um, And this was the case long before COVID hit, but it's gotten much more intense with COVID. Um, I have students uh, reaching out to one another on social media and dating sites like Tinder and Bumble. This is a common thing now. And sometimes there's a lengthy prerequisite with like virtual conversations long before they actually even see each other in person or meet in person. So that is like a huge difference today compared to when I was in the dating world. Yeah, even when I was in college, dating apps weren't really prevalent, not until maybe senior year or so they became a possibility. And then, well, now we know what it's like. All right, Lori. So now that we know what the differences are in dating today, how would you say those differences impact students today? Well, because students are not interacting as much in person with one another, I frequently have students tell me that they feel lonely and disconnected. Again, this was already the case before COVID, but it's now much worse. Uh, It starts in high school where students rely more and more on technology for social interaction, and then it grows rapidly in college because what friend groups they did have in high school are now no longer here in college. And so their friends are scattered around the country or even the world these days. And so most, when most of us parents were in the dating world, we had many opportunities to observe a potential romantic partner, whether at school, at church, or in social events, and to get to know that person prior to taking any steps towards a romantic involvement. Um, the virtual dating world is confusing because students are having to rely on a profile, and in this profile, the person has the opportunity to create an image that may or may not reflect the reality of who they are. And so this can lead to disappointment when the other party is not the person they claim to be, 
Also, many students, as I said, don't have that strong friend network to rely on to discuss any red flags. And so, you know, there are lots of pitfalls in this virtual dating world that we just haven't been able to relate to as parents. Um, another thing to know is that the very language surrounding dating has changed. Um, where the term dating used to symbolize not a super serious commitment, but more of an exploring whether there was a good match. If you said I'm dating them, it wasn't very official or serious. Now the term dating means a more serious step in the relationship. It's usually an exclusive relationship when they say they're dating, and it's usually been claimed on social media as official by the time they call it dating. Uh, so that's very different. So we could have a miscommunication between parents and students if we're thinking of dating as just oh, we're going to go out to a movie and kind of get to know each other. It's now more serious. Um, so prior to officially dating, there will be lots of texting and Snapchats, um, just a lot of virtual interactions before they ever meet in person for what we would consider to be a date. Um, I've also found it surprising in this generation that even if the relationship is progressing, the students are not comfortable having like lengthy phone conversations. So, you know, when many of us parents were growing up, we would have a landline and we'd stay on the phone for hours and say, you hang up. No, you hang up and do all that kind of stuff. Couples can be together for a pretty long period of time and they still won't feel comfortable having lengthy phone conversations. So nothing's wrong with your child if that's the case. I mean, that is just the way the dating world is these days. We laugh a lot um, about the differences between we talk like the talking stage and then so there's first talking and then there's dating and then there's serious dating there's yes. exclusive dating and yes. so uh, can, we hear you <laughs> i can confirm that as a 90s baby because i mean my older brother definitely grew up in sort of taylor's era uh not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that uh, but i definitely grew up at the cusp of tinder and bubble breaking out and it's been really interesting to say the least yeah. So, Lori, I do want to ask you another question about something that you said earlier regarding some of the differences in the ways that people can present themselves through their dating profile. So say that there are instances of that disappointment with that lack of congruence between how someone presents themselves online and how they show up in person. How do you or how, what types of conversations have you had with your students, your children, to help them cope with or navigate that type of maybe startling difference if they ever you know, confront that? Sure. I've had multiple situations where students have talked to me. You know, they talk to me about the lighter situations like that. It's not just all sexual assault. You know, once I build a relationship with the student, my door's always open. I pretty much view that as my ministry uh, that God has put me in for right now. So, um, to me, that's a huge red flag if someone misrepresents themselves. You know, trust is so critical in a healthy relationship. And if they're going to misrepresent themselves, uh, you know, on a dating website, then to me, that's a big red flag. And you don't have any obligation to stay with that person just because, you know, you've had these interactions on the dating side or other social media. One thing that um, I'm constantly seeing with students is, uh, you know, we're raising our children, especially our daughters to um, sort of be people pleasers. Give your uncle a hug. Give your grandpa a hug. Don't hurt anyone's feelings. Make sure you invite everyone to the party, which, you know, I'm not saying there's inherently anything wrong with being inclusive, that kind of thing. But what that has led to, and I'm seeing in this generation of students, is students who are um, being involved in certain interactions 
that they don't actually morally or ethically want to be involved in at that time, but they will go further than they actually want to go and say a sexual interaction just because they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And so they'll come to me and they'll be like, I really didn't want to do that, uh, but I didn't want to hurt their feelings or it was too awkward. And so what I tell students is, and you should share this with your students, you should never let hurting feelings or awkwardness put you in a situation where you're, you are doing things that you don't want to do. And so, you know, this is something with your question with, you know, a surprise when the person doesn't match up, you know, there's no obligation to continue that relationship. You should not worry about hurting someone's feelings to the point that you um, harm yourself and do things that you don't want to do. So, you know, this is your body. These are your decisions. Do not let hurting feelings or being awkward in a situation lead you in a path that you don't want to be on. Stand up, you know. Now, I'm not saying that it's, sexual assault is never the victim's fault. I always say, I don't care how you were dancing. I don't care what you were wearing. I don't care what you were drinking, what you were saying. Sexual assault is a crime with a victim and a perpetrator. It's never the victim's fault. Um, so I don't want that to be misunderstood, but I do want us to empower our students that, you know, you don't owe someone something that you don't want to do because you want to avoid hurting feelings or having an awkward situation. No, but these are the things that we need to talk about. I mean, these are hard Absolutely. conversations that are going to happen with students once they go to college. All right, Lori. So we've talked a lot about the differences between dating in terms of time. So uh, students today versus the parents of those students. But another difference we want to talk about uh, is the difference between same-sex relationships and heterosexual relationships. Uh, can you give us some insight on what dating looks like for uh, LGBTQIA students and perhaps some advice on parents of uh, queer individuals and how they can help those students? I think that is an excellent question. Um, let me give a few statistics, okay? Um, this is making me think of, of sexual assault because we know that in the LGBTQ plus community, sexual assault is much higher, okay? So in undergraduate school, Females report being the victim of sexual assault, um, about one in five females report that. About one in 16 males report that in undergraduate school. But in the LGBTQ plus community, it's actually closer to the one in five regardless of gender. So we know, we know that is there. And um, one, I've, I've worked really hard to you know, get students from LGBTQ plus to come to my office and get help because my office is open no matter what your gender, no matter what your race, no matter what your sexual orientation. You know, I want to see every single student at Belmont succeed. I love every single student at Belmont. And so after being here for three years, you know, I am starting to see more men come in um, because, you know, there's this stigma that men can't be the victim of sexual assault. And I'm starting to see more from LGBTQ plus come in, which makes me super happy because I want to see every student succeed. And so I feel that this is what I'm hearing. OK, I don't want to speak for anyone, but what I've personally heard from students is that on some of the dating apps. We already know that there's an, sometimes an underlying expectation of like sexual activity with dating apps. Now, I would like parents not to freak out when they see their students on a dating app because like this is almost the only way to meet people these days sometimes i don't want there to be a stigma because their kids on a dating app okay that's okay but what i'm hearing in the lgbtq plus community is sometimes there's an even stronger expectation 
that there's going to be some sort of sexual interaction in that community, which is not the case. Okay. Just because you're in the LGBTQ plus community does not mean that you're going to be more sexually active or that you're going to expect that. Okay. And so that's a stereotype. That's a false expectation. And so I just want students to be careful um, with that expectation. Okay. Um, but I would say, you know, talk to your students in the LGBTQ plus community in the, in the same sex dating relationship, just like you would your other children, any of your other students, you know, all the same rules apply about like valuing yourself, protecting yourself, um, you know, not feeling like pressured into any sort of activity. It's, it's really all the same. I think the important thing is, you know, um, we love our kids no matter what their sexual orientation. You know, we love their kids no matter what their gender identity. We want to support them. We want to try and respect boundaries as far as the things that we say to our kids. I'm constantly struggling with that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's necessarily anything different that I would say to my kid. Um, just to love them, have unconditional love, be open, and um, try to respect boundaries. But it's hard to figure out what the boundaries are with our, our, our um, adult children. It's, it's something I'm in the middle of right now with two college girls. And then before I know it, I'll be in it with my tween and teen boys, which will look pretty different probably. But um, my girls, fortunately, are pretty good about telling me, like, you're, you're close to a boundary, you know, or you're over the boundary. So we have that kind of rapport and that kind of relationship where I can be like, okay, you got me on that. I'll try to do better next time. And I'm constantly making mistakes. I mean, that's one thing I would say to parents is, we're going to make a lot of mistakes in dealing with adult children. It's a hard transition dealing with adult children. Um, and they're going to make a lot of mistakes. But we have to establish the unconditional love, the open door without judgment. Watch your facial expressions, parents. I'm constantly thinking about this. You know, like sometimes my face, the older we get, the more control or care that we lose sometimes about our facial expressions, but really try to be mindful of your facial expressions when your kids are pouring their heart out to you. Maybe about a big mistake that they made because they're going to make mistakes. You want to help them to move on, be successful and learn from their mistakes, not to wallow in them and, you know, have a debilitating effect because they've made a mistake because newsflash, they're going to make mistakes. We all did. We all do. Wow, that's really good, Lori. Thank you. So, Lori, you've brought up a lot of really good things for parents and students to consider when navigating conversations about dating and looking at some of the differences between then and now. What is one thing that you would pinpoint as being the most important thing for parents of college students to know about dating? Um, it's really hard to pick just one thing, but I think something that I had to learn is that um, I don't want parents to be worried that their child's on a dating website, you know, because I know there was such a stigma about that and the parents might freak out and say, oh, there's something wrong with my kid. They're having to go online or, you know, there was all there were all these stigmas about using the online dating sites and apps. But now, you know. Many times this is like the only way students have to meet one another, the, especially with COVID. And so, um, you know, I just want to try to remove the stigma of that um, so that parents aren't like projecting that onto their students because they're already in a really cha challenging time. Um, you know, college is difficult and challenging as it is, but throw on top of that COVID, 
and um, all the other things that can occur in college, all the new experiences, and even homesickness. You know, you're going to have some of that. I mean, um, even my one of my daughters who's like super independent, it's like now that I'm home, it's like hard to think about going back. You know, so. Um, let's not project like, you know, that you're a failure because you're on some dating app or something, okay? That's simply not the case. Thank you, Lori. And uh, beyond that, how can you say, uh, what would you say is the best way parents can talk to their students or best help them when it comes to these issues? As I mentioned earlier, I'm definitely learning from experience that um, I should carefully choose when to be the instigator in a conversation about dating with my kids. Okay, Um, I'm going through this right now, as I mentioned, with my two college age daughters, and we'll shortly go through this with my two sons. But the dating world is so different now, and students are not in general entering into committed, exclusive relationships as early as many of us parents did. And that is perfectly fine. Um, We would never want to pressure our kids to get involved in a committed relationship when they're not ready. You know, there are all these jokes about, well, I went to college to get my missus degree or whatever. You know, like we should not be like telling our kids that the reason they're in college is to meet their life partner. That's a huge pressure and a huge burden. Um, As I mentioned, students already have so many stressors on them. They don't need them. They don't need us constantly asking, when are you going to bring home a special someone? I mean, that just puts a lot of pressure and stress on the students. Um, as I mentioned, because it is much more difficult to find that special someone in today's times. And even asking our children these questions, which I have been guilty of myself, can make them feel like they're failing at a major area in their lives. So that's one thing I would say is try not to put pressure on them in these areas, okay? And as I mentioned, I am working on this myself. I'm trying to let them come to me with situations. I do still sometimes give unsolicited advice, but I'm trying to do much better with that. So you guys have caught me at the perfect time where I myself as a parent am right in the middle of all this. The only time I would say we definitely should butt in and we would have a clear duty to do so, and you know, I would expect any parent to do this, is when we're seeing signs that our student might be involved in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe their partner is extremely jealous. They're constantly texting and asking about our student's whereabouts. Maybe uh, they're isolating our student from their friends and family, or they're trying to sabotage our student's academics or other life goals. I feel like God gives us clear intuition about these things so that we should speak up if we have any concerns at all that our kid might be in an unhealthy relationship. So I want to tell you about an amazing organization that we work with a lot here on campus to educate our students about healthy relationships. It's called the One Love Foundation. The website is joinonelove.org. And this organization was started by a family after their daughter was murdered by her college boyfriend. And they do a phenomenal job with films and social media posts and everything that illustrate the dangers and the signs of unhealthy relationships. They also have a lot of quizzes online about healthy versus unhealthy relationships. They have the 10 danger signs of an unhealthy relationship. So you can always refer your student to the site. You can refer them to the Title IX office here where I am, to Res Life, to campus counseling. If you see any of these red flags, such as like jealousy or sabotage, isolation, um, these are things that really should prompt you to butt in in a loving way and just see if your child is okay. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad that you brought up that organization. Um, Laura, do you have any final things that you would like to share with our viewers, any sort of, not viewers, listeners, (laughs) any food for thought that you would like to leave them with? Sure. So I think 
you know, my biggest advice would be to trust God with our children and constantly pray for them. You know, pray that God would provide a godly partner to love and respect them. The ideal partner should build them up and not tear them down. They should feel like a happier, better, uh, you know, more successful person when they're with that partner. If that partner is in any way not making them feel like that, then it's not the partner for them. Um, also, you know, we should be praying that our kids are surrounded by friends who will support them in these challenging times. It's hard not to have friends around to bounce things off of, to talk about possible red flags. And also, it's really important to let your student know that your door is always open to them for advice when requested and without any sort of judgment. So as I mentioned, you know, just watch your facial expressions. You want your kids to want to come to you for advice. You want them to feel that they are in a safe place. And, you know, parenting adults is hard. It requires a com complete rewiring of our brains. And as I mentioned, I'm constantly struggling with, you know, how to respect the healthy boundaries of parenting adult children. And like I said, fortunately, my daughters will tell me if I'm getting close to that boundary or even crossing it. But also to know that our kids are going to make mistakes, but we as parents are called to love them unconditionally. And letting them know that we will love them unconditionally is probably the most important thing that we can do. Um, the other thing I would say is we really wanna encourage our kids to take care of their mental health. There should be absolutely no stigma around going to therapy, around taking med medication, if that's what their doctor feels is best. I always tell students, if you had a broken arm, you wouldn't constantly worry, oh, how's it gonna look if I get a cast? What's someone gonna think about me if I get a cast? What are my parents gonna say? You would just go to the doctor and you would get a cast. Our mental health is a critical component of our well-being, And it's just as important as that broken arm or any other sort of medical issue that we could have. We need to encourage our students to make their mental health a top priority with no judgment and no stigma. I know for a lot of us parents, we didn't grow up in an environment where counseling was encouraged, where therapy was encouraged. It was thought of as like, oh, only crazy people need therapy or only people with bad problems need therapy. That is not the case. We cannot neglect our minds, our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And so the more you can encourage your student that it's normal to have stresses, it's normal to have emotional breakdowns when you first come to college, you know, you're in a totally new environment and that you are there to provide help that they might need without any sort of judgment, I think that's the most important thing you can do. And I guess the last thing I would say is really encourage them to get involved in some groups where they can build real relationships. Hopefully we'll have more in-person opportunities as COVID, you know, as we get the vaccine, that's really encouraging and exciting. But whether it's church or a Bible study or a model airplane building club, or, you know, we don't want our students to feel alone. We want them to build, you know, that tribe around them to support them and just encourage your students that sitting in their room and, you know, not reaching out or not getting involved is not going to help them in the big picture. Well said, Lori. Well said. I mean, I'm glad that you talked about some of the nuances of parenting and um Something that I think I've learned, I'm not a parent yet, but something that I've learned that I think I'm going to remember is that there's not one perfect way to support your student. You just have to think about um, and be willing to learn and consider what will be helpful to your student as they walk into that season of young adulthood. I think that's so true. The foundation of unconditional love and trying to respect their boundaries as adults. I think those are the key things, which I'm still working on. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and thank you, Laura. Your advice has been incredible. 
And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank Lori Shadowin for taking the time to be a guest on our show. If you want to learn more, check out our other The College Parent Podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Have a great day and see you next time.